guys, Pastor Zach, Pastor Mark here again with the book of Proverbs. And one of the things that we've been discussing over the past several weeks is a lot of how-tos. Proverbs gives us a sort of manual of how to live our life wisely as those who are in the community of believers, those who are in the covenant community of the church. And so it's easy to read the book of Proverbs and to find it telling us to live in this way and don't live in this way. Do this and don't do that. And the more that we read it that way, which is is a legitimate way of reading it, it's a good way of reading it because that's clearly what it's about, but it it can begin to feel a little bit difficult as if it's stacking on more and more law. Do this, don't do this. And it can feel sort of spiritually stressful. It can get to that point where you feel like you're never measuring up to the picture of the wise person given throughout the book of Proverbs. You may think, well, Solomon, sure, he was wise. God gave him extra wisdom, but I am not wise. And so Proverbs can begin to be a difficult book to read, thinking that you'll just never be there. You'll never get to that sort of... 31 chapters of rules. Yeah, 31 chapters of rules and telling me how I should live my life. And you know, I'm a failure. You may think that I'm very aware of my sin. I'm very aware of of my brokenness and the problems in my life and my lack of wisdom. And so where is the good news in this book? I need some relief. And so the question we're trying to answer today then is, where is the gospel in Proverbs? What what sightings or hints or smells of the gospel do we find in Proverbs? And so one helpful distinction to remember as we go through this book is that Uh, There's often law, which is how to live, do this and don't do that. But where's the gospel? Where's the grace or the good news throughout the book of Proverbs? And one important thing to start with right off the bat, and I'll I'll give my answer, is that remember how the book is written, how it's framed. The book is written from a king, in this case King Solomon, to his sons. It's written to those to whom he wants to pass on this gracious gift of wisdom. He's saying over and over again, especially in the first nine chapters, get wisdom, listen up, be attentive, seek after it more than you seek after silver and gold and precious jewels. You may be tempted to seek those things, but wisdom is more valuable than them. And wisdom is on offer to you. Wisdom is speaking out to you, looking for you. Uh, and so you should listen, perk your ears up, listen to this, this, this gracious gift that the Lord can give you. And so right from that very standpoint, we see part of the good news of, gospel, of, the, of, the, of Proverbs is, is that the gospel is clear in the being adopted as God's sons and daughters. Um, and so we look at the New Testament and it talks a lot about being adopted as sons We are given the spirit of adoption, Romans 8 says, by which we call out to to God, our Father, Abba, Father. Our hearts know God as Father. We don't just know Him as this judge, but we know Him as our own loving Father. And so this is the standpoint from which Proverbs uh, 
gives all of its wisdom. It's a gracious giving of wisdom. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Mark, what do you see as the gospel in Proverbs? Well, it's right along with that, because what is the gospel? First, we need to establish uh, what the gospel is so that we could know how to look for it in the book of Proverbs. And we would say the gospel... Uh, most purely expressed is in 1 Corinthians 15, which says the, the gospel that we hold on to is of first importance that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was raised to life. He appeared to many people. And uh, moving on through the rest of really all of Paul's letters, he continues to say, and he is now the king over the world, and he's coming again to make everything new. Right. And so um, it's about forgiveness of sins, but it's also about our identity. It's about how God adopts us, just like uh, what Pastor Zach said, into his family. And um, I, I like to often say the gospel is something God does. It's good news about what God does in saving us and keeping us in making us new. And one of the verses in Proverbs that points to what God does is uh, the maybe the most well-known of all the Proverbs in uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and here's what he'll, he'll do. He will make your path straight. And so you trust in God, and there's an inference there. You don't trust yourself as much as you trust God. You repent of yourself, of your sin, and you go to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and you're acknowledging him, he's making your path straight. And often we would hear that and think mostly of just law stuff, just rules, like in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll help you make good decisions. But I, I think of this more as a disposition of the heart. It's, yeah. a, it's a trajectory of your life. And so that's a very gospel theme, uh, a gospel-centered theme for, uh, for looking at Proverbs is, what is the trajectory of your heart? Will it be towards wisdom or will it be towards foolishness? The person who lives in the covenant community who has been born again by the Holy Spirit will have a pull towards the Lord, towards wisdom, um, towards trusting in him, not in yourself, and he'll make your path straight. And so um, while I wouldn't say this is the clearest description of the gospel, um, I would say that Given the gospel and given an understanding of it, this fits right in with how we're called to uh, live and think and be as a result of trusting in the Lord and being born again. So um, I, I like to think of not just that verse, but really the whole book as a heart trajectory. Hopefully your, your desires, your interest is in wisdom, um, is to seek wisdom, just like what Solomon did and what he was encouraging his sons to do. Yeah, so... The book of Proverbs is about uh, how to live according to God's law. And it's, that's a good thing. Often we can think that, that it's, it's, it's a bad thing whenever we're told how to do this or what to do in a certain situation. We can see that as being just adding more to the list of to-dos. And, but it's a good thing that God graciously speaks to us. The gospel of salvation is not just about our justification. It's not just about what Jesus has done to forgive our sins and to cleanse us and to give us his righteousness. Going to heaven. It's yeah. also about what he does to transform our hearts, what he does to transform our souls from within. And so the book of Proverbs is 
is sort of, and Pastor Mark was telling me this before, which I think is a good way of looking at it. There's sort of, there's texts in the scriptures that, that sort of prepare us for salvation, right? There's texts in the scriptures that then give us a clear depiction of the good news in Christ. And then there's, the, there's texts in the scriptures that tell us how to live now that we have been transformed and forgiven by the grace of God. And so Proverbs is very much sort of a, a, is, a is one and three there. Uh, it sort of prepares us but by seeing our own lack of wisdom, our lack of righteousness as we read it, but then it also, once we've been transformed by Christ, it shows us how to live. And that's a gracious way of, of, of God speaking to us. God graciously gives us His law. Law is often, at least in our Reformed world, and maybe you'll see this more as you grow up, but law is seen as often a bad thing. It's something that's supposed to only expose our sin. But law can also be seen, God's law is also a great and glorious thing. We can look at the Ten Commandments, yes, knowing that we don't measure up, but also the Ten Commandments give, give us a good uh, way of living our lives, a way that will be helpful and nourishing to us. And so that's what wisdom is really all about. It's about how to live according to the way God wants us to live in a way that will also nourish our souls. And so Proverbs 2 actually is sort of part of Solomon's commendation of wisdom. And he's trying to get his son to listen up. And so he says this, Proverbs 2.1 starts off, My son, again there's that language of adoption, If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. And then in verse 9 he says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That, I think, is the language of the gospel. It will come into your heart and will be pleasant to your soul. The gospel uh, will, be, will be so good to you. And wisdom is part of that good news. God graciously gives us wisdom, and that should be an exciting and good thing for us. We should long for that kind of wisdom. And I, I know that a question high schoolers have often asked me um, in my interactions with them are, how do I know if I'm born again? How do I know if I'm really um, seeking God? Um, particularly those students who take faith very seriously and take life very seriously are asking these kinds of questions. And I, I always thank them for asking that because I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're open with their struggle with me. And, yeah. and one way that you can know that you're born again is that, um, that you would love God's Word. Uh, I mentioned this in my sermon on Sunday quite a bit in that um, discipline, correction, the law, will reveal what's in our heart. And so when we encounter a proverb um, that, that sort of pokes at us in an uncomfortable way, will our reaction be, oh boy, I'm just going to avoid that part of God's word from now on because I didn't really like it very much. That's, that's um, a concern for sure. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean you're automatically not born again and you're yeah. going to go to hell or whatever. But but it does. It is a concern that you would want to avoid parts of God's word. Whereas, just like what Pastor Zach read in Proverbs too, um, if your heart is set on on being with God and on living with Him, on pleasing Him, on serving Him, on seeing His kingdom, 
um, then you're going to eat this stuff up and you're going to love it. Um, you're not always going to love it perfectly. It's, you're not always going to, every little decision, go to the Proverbs and know exactly which Bible verse to read in order to solve this problem. That's more of a, an Enlightenment American view, actually, of the Bible. Um, but, but you are going to value it. And so you can know that God is working in your heart, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and mind, if you are finding things in the scriptures, in the Proverbs, that are like food for your soul, that are uh, like what Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. And so the people who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and they say, give me the Proverbs, help me see this, that's great assurance of your salvation. It doesn't mean you're going to earn your salvation by doing these things, but it does mean you've probably, hopefully, been born again because you have a hunger to do what God wants with your life. So, Didn't that, weren't you saying that that came from really 1 Corinthians? Yeah, so 1 Corinthians 2, 2. talks a lot about that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 talk a lot about wisdom, and if you want to connect wisdom to assurance, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. By assurance, I mean this sense of confidence in our salvation. So somebody with Christian assurance has all kinds of evidence in their life. I am God's child. I am born again. I've been made new. I've said no to my sin. Not all of my sin perfectly, but I've said no to my sin. And I've, I want to be, I want to be um, a possession of God. I want to be... His child, I want to serve him. Um, we don't do that perfectly, like I said, but but you've you've said no. You've been born again by the Spirit, and First Corinthians one and two connect that into wisdom, saying this: um, This is what we. Oh, sorry, verse twelve of of First Corinthians two. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Meaning that we may understand what not just our salvation means, but how the world works that God has shown us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, right? That person without the Spirit hates the law. They hate the Proverbs. They hate wisdom um, that is from God. For they are foolishness to him, that, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments on all things, right? That's why we love the Proverbs, because we want to make clear judgments on all kinds of things. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And finally, I love the final assurance, but we have the mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ through whom the world was created and uh, through whom all things hold together. We have his mind in our own minds, you would say, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we can understand the world that was made through him and for him. And so um, when you're seeing uh, wisdom, when you're seeing yourself growing in wisdom, you can know this is a wonderful gift of God. It's not just by accident. It's not just because of your personality, but it's because it's, it's God's gift for you in being born again. Yeah. One last thing I'll add to all of this is that Right before that chapter, in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, we see that Christ is our wisdom. He is the, the perfect embodiment of what wisdom truly is. This is also picked up in the book of Colossians in chapters 1 and 2. 
uh, as well. We see that Christ himself was not only wise. You read the Gospels and you see how people were captivated by his what? His wisdom. And he was foolishness to the world. Yeah, he was, his, his way was foolish to the world. Yeah. He, that's why he was put to death. And people mocked him and scoffed at him, thinking this guy is not who he says he is. But it was the wisdom of God to go to the cross. And so, taking this idea that Christ is our wisdom, we can then go back and read Proverbs, and we can see Christ everywhere. And one of those places that is very clear is Proverbs 8. Now, this has been debated in the history of the church. In fact, I gave a lesson several weeks ago. Uh, prior to the quarantine, on that very passage, on that chapter. Um, and so there's there's lots of ways in which it's, it's maybe too much of a jump to say that that is sort of a prophecy about Christ, but I do think that it is a depiction in some ways, a shadowy depiction of Christ in Proverbs 8. And pro in Proverbs 8, we see wisdom uh, personified as a woman, which is interesting, um, and she is speaking. And one of the things that she speaks in verses 18 through 21 is this. Riches and honor are with me, wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. So wisdom has wealth and righteousness and riches that she grants to those who have her. And I think that this is perfectly summarized in Christ. And so a passage that came to mind for me is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And I'll read it to you. I've sort of shortened it. I've taken out a few verses just to make it a little bit more brief. But here's what Ephesians 2 says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked. But then verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us, in Christ Jesus. So God has raised us up, seated us with Christ, so that in the coming ages he may show that his immeasurable riches of grace toward us. Forever and ever, God will share the riches of his wisdom and his wealth and his honor and his glory with those who are in him and glorified with him. Not as equals to God, but as those who are united to Christ, one with him, we will be uh, blessed forever and ever blesses those who have her. Christ blesses those who are united to him. And so in all of these ways and more, there's, there's lots more that we could have gone into. We see that the gospel of grace is present even in this book of wisdom. It's present on every page of scripture. It's the gospel is, is, is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, and so t sometimes it may be more difficult to find. It may not be as clear as we think it, would, it should be, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And so we want you guys to see that the Bible can be read uh, not only for good instruction, but also for comfort and assurance mm -hmm. and joy. And wisdom brings us this. And so now we're sort of at the end of this series. We have one more week left. 
uh, I want you to begin to see that wisdom is not something that should just stress you out, how to be a wise person, but it's something that should calm your soul and bring joy to your soul. And it should make you pleased eternally to know the one who is himself wisdom. All right, guys. We'll see you at Youth Group. Thanks for watching. See you guys. Yeah.